Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Euphoria podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and SoundCloud. I'm Dracos. My co-host Cadrell is out this week enjoying some much-deserved or well-deserved rest and relaxation. But to balance it out, I'm joined by two incredible guests, Reckless and Advian of Fanatic, here now known as uh, Martin and Hank, because I feel really weird calling you your gamer name the entire time. Um, but welcome, gentlemen. I'm glad you can join me under positive circumstances. Yep. It's, a, it's made it to groups. You've qualified. Now you've had a couple days off, week off. What's the what's the story been since uh, we last saw you on stage? So one day off, one team building day, two media days, scrims. That's it. Damn. Yeah. Actually, a lot of stuff to do, I think, yeah. for for groups, but obviously a much better place to be in than nothing to do, which was the case in the last <laughs> bit. So yeah, happy times, I think, for most of us. Even if we lost the last game, it's happy times, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you are you like are you still are you surprised at all, Hank? You you showed up here, you came in out of nowhere, you got them to groups. Does it feel weird that you made it this far, or is it kind of just was I mean, it expected for you? To be fair, when I when I came in, I thought I would add something to the roster, and I also thought that the roster was already really good. Um, they just needed kind of that spark, maybe that that little bit of momentum, and I thought I could bring it. Yeah. And so I thought. Honestly, I thought we do, would do better even in the regular season. Um, and so after the first few weeks, um, yeah, there was a bit more more shock to it. Um, but yeah, I'm happy now that we made it. And uh, I'd say now I'm a bit more surprised about it. But when I came in, I, I really definitely it makes sense. There. Yeah. Um, what does team building look like for you guys? Like, what do you what do you actually do? What is the I've heard many strategies over the years from teams and their team building exercises. Is there like the fanatic special? I mean, we're a board game team, I think. Very team, much yeah. a board game team, yeah. which is the case for most of my rosters, I would say, throughout the years. So uh, are you the board game enthusiast? <laughs> actually not. It just feels like a, <laughs> just a, a gaming just thing. Happens, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are very much that. We play almost every day, a little bit together. But on the team building day that we had, it was more watching bots together, our own games, some games from LCK, LPL, yeah. and then Escape Room together, which is no, really uh, fun. Yeah, something that was really fun to do. Um, kind of like IRL board games, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were some funny moments in there with Hank driving a car, which was, yeah. Wait, okay, so how is there a car in an escape room? Because in my experience, escape rooms are very, like, pretty small. It's like escape room, not escape highway or it was road. Like three, three rooms we had to go through. Yeah. And one puzzle in, in the third one was that you had to drive a car. Like, you have this joystick, you have to drive oh, the car, it. and we had to turn it around and grab. I think it was a key yeah, from it. Yeah, there was a key on top of the car. And basically only one guy, he was in another room yeah. and he could see the car and the other guy in another room yeah, yeah. could drive the car. And so you had to, to direct someone to get the car kind of to you. Yeah, 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 got it. Um, but so I thought that was way too simple to be the solution to the problem. And so I saw a light in the back of like the little room the car was in. Yeah. And then... On the back of the car, it kind of said an arrow of that it was the back. Yeah, and yeah. I thought I had to put the back towards the light because the arrow pointed towards the light. So yeah, I yeah. perfectly orchestrated that car to park with its backside <laughs> into the light, which was, I mean, I think a hell of a parking job. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But 15 also, minutes parking yeah, job. <laughs> but also entirely wrong. <laughs> and it kind of screwed over our, our chances of, of finishing the room in time. And we actually missed it by f the window by like five minutes okay. and we would have made it if okay. i wasn't 
I suppose too smart <laughs> for the ten, game. Ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the classic. You know, like if this guy was better at League of Legends, that skill shot would have hit. It's just I can't predict exactly. The, can't predict the bronze challenges. Can't predict the bronze movement. But I, I yeah. think this sort of mindset is something that describes Hank pretty good on the Rift as well. Like always <laughs> overthinking or like trying to make the next level play, and then yeah. sometimes it's like. Okay, enemy is just playing bad. That's it. They are yeah, not yeah, yeah. here with the entire team face shaking. It's mm -hmm. just the guys alone face shaking. But <laughs> yeah. he always thinks like, "What does he know that yeah. I don't know?" Yeah. Because this he always to goes me to the next level, griefing, which is, is yeah. really good a lot of times. And sometimes it's just okay. Got he's it. actually walking in alone. Just kill him. <laughs> You're revealing the secret sauce to play against Fnatic. Just turn your brain off and run at Hank. And yeah. he'll, he'll think that someone's there. <laughs> I think they know have... something I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like this guy must be cooking something real good. But I think it's a really good yeah. trait for the. For the most part, yeah. because we're playing the game well, I would say, much from from Hanks, like uh, just the way he's communicating and seeing the game. I think a lot of it comes from from you. So even though you parked the car, and you shouldn't have, I think <laughs> it's fine. The, the overthinking part is a good trade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to show up to things 15 minutes later. You'll be a little bit shorter, but it's better than having someone who doesn't see the the car yeah. under the light mm -hmm. challenge when yeah. it's time. You know, <laughs> I don't know how, how much we can stretch the metaphor. Yeah. No, I'll um, take that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a, that's a good trait, and I and it's cool to hear already kind of like some of the things that that you're bringing to the team. I would love to to kind of start with you and your perspective on this off season from spring into winter, um, you know, because reckless. I think Martin has been very vocal on stream, kind of talking about some of the processes, and I still want to get your insight as well. But you went from XL, hmm. dropped out of the league. Now you're back on Fnatic, but not on Fnatic in like the maybe the the most glorious time to join Fnatic. You know what I mean? So like, what, what was this experience like for you? What was going through your head when they're like, hey, we need you to start on the lineup next season? Well, coming in to the academy team, it was already kind of my <clears throat> goal to look to join the team um, because I, I felt like the things I do for a team get way more easily recognized if I'm within an organization um, rather than if I'm outsider. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of my goal to get in, um, but obviously the circumstances weren't the best, but I also knew that that could be the case if I were to promote, because you never promote if everything is happy days and sunny. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I knew I had a challenge, um, but knowing that it was a challenge, knowing that I had to bring something and that I had to add something extra, um, I feel like I kind of knew what to do. And I feel like I, I try to do that my best ability. Mm -hmm. I, I try to come in with a lot of energy, happiness to be there, um, happiness for the opportunity, and try to really show that energy, kind of revive the players that might have not had that as much anymore after a defeating split. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just really happy to be there because I felt like I had incredible players uh, around me mm -hmm. that just maybe need a little push or need a little spark. And I felt like I could maybe provide that spark. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was kind of the idea coming in. Martin, did you feel did that me, when you yeah. came in? Did you hey, feel did that energy, me. like that yeah. positivity? Did it, did it end up feeling like skipping ahead a little bit here before we backtrack? But did it feel like, because I think that's the dream, right, for most teams when they swap players out is that you're going to get that, mm. you know, that sick honeymoon phase. Or you're going to have that spark. Or you're going to mm. reset and it's going to feel like brand new. Did you get that feeling? Was it that easy to like... Once yeah, the new sure. guys were there. Yeah, I think especially in the laning phase, I definitely felt that with Hank because something that was missing with me and Rox was the laning phase. We yeah. would do fine later in the game, but the early game was just not there and the meta was really like 
You need to contest both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first wave. You got to fight for everything. Yeah. And I had so much to learn, I think. So Hank was like the perfect guy to get in the team because I think he has really good understanding, kind of tying back into what I said before. Like he's really overthinking everything, every detail. Sometimes that means he's parking the car when he just should turn it around and grab the key. But um, (laughs) he's really thinking twice about everything he's doing. And I felt like that part of the game was really missing for me, something I I have to learn still to do to do well i don't think i'm doing it too well right now but at least there is like um there's a push for it there's someone that's there next to me trying to actually win the lane to do things well from the start to yeah, yeah get somewhere with the game and I, I really felt like that part was missing in my game mm-hmm. i think it's been missing now for a while actually so it's really nice to yeah contest <laughs> yeah have someone that's going to push you to yeah. not just like autopilot through lane but like appreciate because yeah. later in the things. game i do really well for the yeah. most part i think my like my team fighting has always been really good my game knowledge has always been really good but the early game has been something i've struggled with for a while so it's nice to have hank there doing hank tech we call it trying yeah. to <laughs> yeah but i think that's cool i also think it's cool to, to admit that like the early game is an area where you struggle because i think people assume that when you're as veteran as you are that you've kind of got it all figured out and it's just kind of peaks and troughs in terms of performance and Mm. it's not as often you're willing to like pinpoint specifically i think it's like individually i think i have a pretty good grasp on what i need to do to to win my lane but it's always a duo thing right and with rox it just wasn't there like he probably has a good idea on how to win his lane just as how i how i do yeah but together we didn't have an idea on how to win the lane and i think that's what hank brought for me like a connection between the two of us is hank tech where we are hank tech yeah doing things level one we're having a plan with every wave i think this part was really missing in my game that we had a connection a plan so he he brought that to me yeah i just want to say you've already given me so many great memes to use (laughs) Uh, i got hank tech and is he gonna park the car you know i mean it's like you know when you're just like when you're sitting there and the guy's inting and you're just not going in i'll be like it's just trying to park the car (laughs) grab the key hank grab the key it's like an advanced way of i'm cooking you know yeah just let him let him park just let him park let him park but i don't think we should let you park you're just don't let me park yeah we're not supposed to let let you park park. it's not like let him cook it's it's not let him cook don't let him park don't let him let him cook don't let him park i like that we're gonna stick with that um i mean for you martin obviously once you know hank is there you know you're there too but was there uncertainty for you in the off season i mean like it, it was obviously super rough in spring really like high expectations for a roster that ultimately didn't meet them yep were you were you worried at all were you ever concerned that like you might not make the cut for sure yeah i was worried for most of the off season it wasn't yeah. until they actually told me i'm in the team that i finally believed it because there were rumors behind the scenes that upset was coming back and then there were rumors for a while that i was just playing but i never really knew for sure so it wasn't until they actually told me that this is the roster you're playing that i i guess yeah. i believed that it was actually happening so tough time between the splits for sure maybe not the best way to like come in with full energy for the next split but i also think it was fair how everything played out i mean we had a really bad split i had a really bad split so i think it's fair that yeah how uh, was that like so obviously three weeks you guys are knocked out yeah three weeks the rest is what happens and then we have that one week break what what was the timeline like essentially in those four weeks did you know after two weeks that you were in did you know after three weeks you were in like when after did you find out three weeks i would say so most of the time that you guys were just playing yeah. we were figuring out what's happening yeah and then by the time you finished your split we started practicing so maybe we had like a week in advance of 
the other teams that I mean, were still playing. We didn't even finish our split. <laughs> yeah, we were he didn't even finish. He was still playing LVP. Yeah. Our official matches yeah. while we were already scrimming with the team in yeah. Berlin. So. So I think yeah. we had like plus one week on most teams, um, but three weeks of downtime where I was really worried. And again, I think it was fair how it played out. It was just yeah, tough situation, something I obviously didn't want to be in. Yeah. Um, but I also understand why it ended up happening. We had a really bad split. I played not my best, like not my best League of Legends. Um, kind of a reality check in a way, chalk in a way. Um, yeah. Coming back to the LEC and that level of scrim and like how much I had to relearn from being away for a year. Yeah, I think it, especially like the long off season I had. So we finished, um, we finished LFL in August. I lost my playoff series right before your Masters. Yeah, and then I had nothing until January. So I had four months of no scrims, and for the most part in LFL with K Corp, I was scrimming against uh, Masters teams or yeah, other ERL teams. So when I came back to Fnatic, it was like a reality shock or check. I don't know what you call it. To again go Wait, to that level of reality play. check, reality yeah. check, yeah, yeah, yeah. To go to that level of play and how many like bad habits I had built up, especially I think during the four months with no scrims, I built yeah. up so many bad habits that I I wasn't able to deliver individually during the winter yeah. split. I think I'm in a way better place now. I have way way better games on stage in scrims, but still a long way to go. It's sort of like. Uh, crazy to look back at my career now and how spoiled I was to always play like in the best team, have the best scrims, yeah. travel, travel to international tournaments, scrim against like all the LCK teams and LPL teams. Like I've, I've had a really like high level of practice environment yeah. and then as of late, very low level of practice environment. So I kind of have to like relearn everything now, I feel like in a way. Yeah. Retraining myself that. up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's cool now that you can recognize in hindsight how, how special and significant that was, but I can imagine that that's like super super jarring and yep. like how big of a shift that is and how much whiplash that is to yep. go from like because you don't know what you don't know and if you've yep. only ever experienced the good things you're not even aware you just take a lot of things as a given and so having that that shift is i mean it sounds super intense but i think that like to the credit to both of you i think it really shows and this is no insult to rux obviously but you talked about it maybe you guys just didn't click or didn't work out but you like your stats were shit last season you yep. guys weren't couldn't make it through a lane phase and obviously that's a bigger team issue as well you know it's not just like individual stats in league of legends can always be a bit misleading because at the end of the day it's a team game but like this this season already a significant bump even just the eye test even just the wins even just like looking at your 2v2 lane it's yes there's still been rocky moments the astralis game which i'm sure we'll get to talk yeah. about you know <laughs> like there's still moments where it's not perfect but it's not like it's not a slaughter you don't look lost you at know? least we're trying yeah um for sure some games we are inting but at least we're trying and i think the reason why we're inting is because we're trying yeah if we weren't trying we could just drop plates be behind in cs and never die but that's not what we're looking for well, here you and just look like you're competing yeah. i yeah. mean to be fair we're like trying. spring was a, a mess and i don't want to harp on this anymore because i think you guys have turned it around and i think that's the main focus here but i think the thing is is that it didn't it didn't look like you were coming in at the same level and now it looks like you're competing like you're yeah. fighting you're fighting against competitors you're not getting bullied and i think that that is a huge that is something to be proud of and i think that that's like a really cool thing um so you talked about only having is it a week of scrims is it three days of scrims i know with the schedule with three show days or three um three studio days it's like it can be pretty tight how many how many scrim games did you guys actually get together as a duo before the lsc started yeah before the lsc started i'd say maybe about two weeks 
Yeah. About two weeks, maybe a little bit less. Less than like two weeks. Like 12 days, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Did you do anything extra? Did you guys like play? I know Duo Q is pretty restricted at high ELO. Is it still restricted at high ELO? I don't know. It I've is, never it is, been yeah. high ELO. So no, it it's is. like. Yeah, it's no longer possible we, to do a Q. We watched mostly games together, I would say, like yeah. doing the review part after scrims or just of other regions, talking about how we should play the lane together. I think mostly the talking part came from, from Hank when he. When he joined, like the Hank Tech thing, where yeah, yeah. he had a really good understanding, I think, of the ranged matchup specifically, which is something I was not so good at. I'm more of a melee. Yeah. Like I'm, melee used, I'm used to having Hilly there with a <laughs> melee champion, not a ranged champion. So I also think the intricacies, because I remember when you used to play uh, like Karma Ezreal with Yellowstar, mm -hmm. I think it's just a different beast now to yeah. what it was in like season five, season six. You know, it's just a, the game yeah. has evolved. Yeah. So, One uh, misstep feels like the end of the yeah. lane, whereas back then I feel like. In Europe, you could get away with a lot, yeah. a lot more. I yeah. think the the range matchups specifically, they're a whole different breed now. And uh, I mean, they've evolved to the point where people are picking Ash support, um, and yeah, that yeah. just that just already kind of shows the Callista support, um, the everything. Yeah, there's just that so much crazy things happen. Is because people realize the traits that would make this lane win, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, the whole game kind of plays differently. And the way you have to think about the waves, the way you have to interact with your opponents, with your resources, is just entirely different. And so that can be a tricky one to tackle if you've never like gotten into it or you don't yeah. feel super comfortable. Yeah. I think it's from what I've heard too, it's also something that's hard, pretty hard to practice if you're not on a Chinese or Korean server. Like mm -hmm. I've heard that in yeah. general from pros pretty consistently that range supports and solo queue are just, it's just a different level. Like you can really yeah. only learn in scrims against players who are better than you. I mean, and you need to work as two people together, yeah. right? Like as let's say I'm playing Nautilus, I can hook in and then everyone with a mouse enabled can kind of click on the guy I just yeah. hooked, you know? <laughs> yeah. But when I'm playing a range champion, I need my carry. I yeah. need to back me up the moment they want to go on me and we need to kind of juggle the, the aggro and, and constantly play on one uh, spot and that's yeah. just it's just a, a lot harder to execute which means that in solo queue it's basically impossible to practice yeah, yeah. and so for you i mean you, it sounds like you came in you talked about it like you wanted to come in you talk about being in an org and it sounds like a lot of the qualities that you believe that you're strong in are not something that you can see from like a solo queue ladder report or maybe immediately from like team results or a score line which i think is fair in a support position right you don't get to have flashy numbers more yeah. often than not but like did you feel like it sounds like he just kind of like took charge because normally I would expect like when people think of you, they'd be like, oh, Reckless going to guide this young talent. You know, I think it's kind of like where you were you caught off guard when he came in just with the Hank tech already so prepared with so many things. Like, was that surprising for you? Was it really cool? Was it special? Like, how did you feel when he when this guy out of nowhere comes in and he's <laughs> like, this is how it's going to be and starts talking about lane? It was surprising in a good way, I think, because yeah. that's the part that I felt was missing before we didn't really have a plan as a duo so Hank came in he had his tech and he brought the plan to the table this is how we do it obviously we discussed it between ourselves and we tried to make the best plan possible but the fact that he really wanted to make a plan in the first place especially for the ranged matchups I think helped a lot in those with melee matchups is different and maybe that's yeah. where I have more experience yeah. maybe later in the game I have more experience on how we should play the game but for sure for the early like this was all Hank yeah I was just following I'm uh, when I was playing in G2, we had this saying of um, coach shoots and we are bullets in the team. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I kind of felt like a bullet with Hank that he would like use me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just, yeah. I get it. You I would it. juggle the aggro with him and like, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, you missed this episode for context. So I'm just going to tell this joke, even though Carol's not here to appreciate this. But <laughs> in the original Transformers, you remember Transformers? Mm -hmm. Megatron, the big bad leader, mm -hmm. turns into a gun. 
Someone else has to pick him up and use him. You're not Megatron because you're not the big bad guy, but you're the gun in this case, <laughs> yeah. and someone else has to pick you up. And I think yeah. that that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love that. So uh, he was shooting me, yeah. There and, you go. Uh, yeah, and I think that coming into the team, I felt like I just got the opportunity to, you know, use one of the best guns <laughs> <laughs> that were around, you know? So I was just like, if I get to shoot this thing, I better yeah, make yeah. sure I can aim. And yeah. that's, and, uh, I mean, yeah. I respect you to have the confidence to just come in and do that because, like, I don't, I think that there's almost zero areas in my life where I have enough confidence to come in and tell like a veteran of like million years at this point, man, you just, you live here. I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah you're not a dinosaur, <laughs> but you like, you like, if I show up and you're not here, it's weird at this point. You know what yep. I mean? It's very odd. Sounds right. I'll be around. Okay. I, I mean, I believe I'm stuck around this far. Things are going better. Things are improving. Um, the other big side part of your changes, other than your top laner, who we're going to talk about soon, um, was kind of nightshare and what feels like sort of a cultural reset. Now I'm not as familiar with how things were, um, run in winter but i've had the pleasure of watching all of the uh the fanatic content that's come out this season to kind of prepare for this episode shout out to pete uh from fanatic who makes really great content gives that great level of insight if you guys are ever like dan what the hell is going on in fanatic chances are the content is out there to explain it to you um so check that out um but like what was the what was the the shift like for you as someone who played in both the winter and now the spring roster as well what was the shift like culturally what is nightshare brought to the team to kind of like uh balance this whole thing out and get the the ship going in the right direction again i think um with thomas the one thing that he brought that maybe was missing before is just a dad figure as yeah. crazy as that sounds i think he's kind of just the dad of the team and he takes care of us when someone is tilted or feeling a bit quiet or sad or angry he's like really quick to pick us up and to almost nurture us to yeah. like keep the group together make sure everyone feels involved it's like yeah it's not even in my mind so much league. I mean, he brings a lot of good stuff about league as well, but in my mind, it's more other stuff like making sure we feel like a team. Yeah. I think this is something that he brought that was missing before. So everyone, yeah, everyone has that camaraderie feeling. Yeah, I think yeah. that uh, yeah, that's something that's really big from his side. Um, it can be like the board game thing, the escape room thing, just anything that really like brings the group together. And I think he's doing that really well and did that really well from day one. He was really quick to like. This we're a team yeah. yes there is no yeah there is he, he no really, question about it i think had, has good sense of like what's going on inside the heads of people uh, yeah. what's going on emotionally and i think he, he plays into that really well and yeah. because of that it, that gets resolved easily and you have more time to be a group of people uh, rather than just individuals and i think mm -hmm. that is especially in the current environment and something you see i think in the teams that are doing well and the yeah. teams that are doing better more and more it's no longer individuals carrying but it's individuals working together and kind of going as a group and winning yeah. and yeah he he really add that that's um that group feeling yeah. uh, to the team and one thing that's been apparent uh that i've talked about i feel like on every episode of the podcast this year and especially in this format is like the importance of this team environment where people can you know talk to each other very openly and it seems like that's something that he's bringing if you're talking about breaking down those barriers or getting people to talk about how they're feeling or calling out these feelings rather than just letting them fester because i think that every time i've talked to someone about a team and they're like not talking about their problems that team is usually not doing very well and doubly so in a format like this where it's i mean it's so so fast so i'm glad to hear that like in spite of a really difficult start to the year that both you and and tomas and nightshare um seemingly came in and hit the ground running which just seems like and i'm glad to hear that it sounds like the team was receptive to it as well because i think that 
it's one thing to show up at the start of the year when you have a month or two months or whatever and like build that from the ground up it's another thing to build that in a week and that's like i think credit to both of you that you're both able to that you're both the kind of people who aren't who didn't wait to feel it out you know yeah. to like see ooh, what needs to be done here you came in and we're like this is how it's going to be this is how it has to be because it sounds like anything else might just not have worked i think we were more receptive as well after the winter like when things were so bad and everything was going wrong then when they came in and they had an idea. I think we were all very open and welcoming to just save us. <laughs> so maybe in a way, winter made us more receptive. Yeah. Maybe we felt more open to a new way of doing things. But I, I only see positive, like uh, a positive change from from yeah. Hank and Thomas in how they help the team uh, yeah. behavior. So despite hitting the ground running, uh, in terms of like culture in terms of like communication, despite having this positive outlook. Week one was rough. Yep. Week one was a <laughs> yeah, mess, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, Oscarman, and not only was it like his first time on a big stage, uh, you know, and I imagine was probably difficult for him on like a nerves level because that's a big challenge. But like, they, everyone was going top, man. They like, this guy got yeah, cyberbullied the entire knew. weekend. They knew, like yeah. they smelt blood in the water. What What was going through your heads in that week? Like, were you guys optimistic coming into that first week because it sounds like you had pretty high expectations coming into the season from what we discussed earlier what were the expectations coming into the week how did that week feel what was that what was that experience like of again finally the ship is going in the right direction and then you immediately just hit like this iceberg that is week one yeah you wanna? Yeah. yeah sure uh, unless you want to no you do <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no for me i felt like we were going to do good you know i feel like we we did well in scrims uh, i think as a bot lane we were contesting the bot lanes, like the good bot lanes, the ones that you are able to, you need to be able to contest to kind of feel comfortable. Yeah, I felt like we were doing that already in scrims, and so when I came into that um, week, I thought that we we're going to just do really well, and if nothing kind of goes wrong or weird, then we will just like win the game kind of through bot. Yeah, and. Um, I felt like that happened a bit, but obviously on stage the first time there's always things that that changed, and um, that's kind of what happened. I think throughout that week, um, I think the confidence slowly started to going away uh, to go away. Uh, yeah. It's also because you're playing the game only uh, like on the stage days. You're not really screaming, and so yeah. you show up to the first game with confidence. And then you lose. And then the next day you have kind of nothing else to do than play solo queue where potentially there's three guys going Soraka top and running you down. <laughs> and then you have to play another stage game and then maybe you lose that one as well. Um, which I think what didn't help for us was also that like people were getting sick. I think Martin was already not feeling great. And then Marek was also feeling worse and worse. Um, and then slowly you start to kind of spiral of like, are we bad? Like, yeah. What happened? Um, so yeah was there ever a moment in that week one like where you like really were spiraling either of you where you're like uh we're, we're, uh, damn it like I believed but we are shit like did you ever like fully let the doubt was that ever just fully there or were you always kind of like holding on to faith like it's one week it's three games there's another week because it like it's nine game format that's a third of your split just yeah. gone in the blink of an eye you know what I mean that's really stressful to be honest I didn't think about it much because I was dying so I was just trying to survive um, yeah. Obviously, it sucked to lose the games, but coming into it, I thought, okay, SK is going to be really good and Vitality is going to be really good. So yeah. those are games that 
how would you say on paper are better to lose yeah, or yeah. more okay to lose than the Excel yeah. game. The Excel game is the one I have a lot of regrets about because I think if you swap the schedule around and we played them on the second day or the third day yeah. and we have a little bit less of jitters, especially for Oscar, then we most likely win that game because we're in a really good spot that game. But yeah. <clears throat> we were just yeah playing our first game on stage. It was uh, hard for us to perform as well as we could have, I think, yeah. in that one specifically. So I wish the schedule was a bit flipped around because yeah. that was our first, first game. Yeah, that was um, the one where you, you dove. Sorry, Os Oscar got focused but yeah. then you guys like successfully dove bot you guys yeah. had a pretty decent lead bot yeah. and then kind of so what actually happened in that game was it just uh, we threw at drake yeah. we threw at the drakes yeah we were we were winning that game but we kept giving them objectives so like they yeah. got first drake with me having 30 cs lead mm -hmm. they still had the first drake and then we gave them i think the third drake and then on the fourth drake we contested we actually got the drake we chased them into our, our own jungle i died they got mm -hmm. nash like yeah. it was yeah um it was our game i think and we we threw it um but going back a bit to your question like coming into the week i think everyone had a pretty good feeling we we're winning scrims um again sk vitality are really tough games uh if you look at like the winter split the changes they've made like sk were one of the best teams in winter yeah and vitality were really so good they're not like they're okay yeah. games to lose because yeah. that's like that's not yeah. a team that if you're right now just worried about the next step yeah. like forget how good you want to be if you're just worried about getting wins on the board those yeah. are like acceptable because losses. most likely they are teams that end at the top of the standings yeah. so excel is a team we are more likely to fight with a, for yeah. the final spot so that was a game we really should have won or needed to win um so it really yeah, it really sucked to be zero three because i think one two would have been more than fine, fine. but zero yeah. three was tough spot because then you go into the next two weeks thinking okay we are gonna have to be the top team now because if yeah. we don't we don't have, don't have enough wins anymore so we knew we had to beat koi or g2 yes. or, or mad both. um <laughs> mad ended up not being a top team but yeah yeah, yeah. Looking at it at back the time, then, yeah, was, yeah, with coin, there was yeah, no reason yes. to assume that coin and yeah. mad would not be uh, both top teams yeah. at that point. So tough spot with zero three, but for me, like individually, my point of view was just trying to survive the weekend. I was dying. Yeah. Like, so over what? The okay. So dying. I mean, you were really sick. I had really high fever. Yeah, during our games, the e the evening would be worse. And first day we played first game six. Yeah. So it was okay. Second day we played at eight. Eh, not so good. Last day we played at 10, I was out. <laughs> so tough, really tough weekend for me individually to yeah. like just get through the day to survive. So in a way, actually, maybe I put less emphasis then on like how we were doing. Cause I think if I was like fully healthy playing my best game and we were yeah, zero yeah. three, then maybe that would take a harder toll on me than but I'm now, playing bad, we're losing. Yeah. Yeah. I could kind of like in some weird mental way, just like put the bad performance together with the sickness and move on. But I think if I was fully healthy or like all of us were actually fully healthy and we lost, then maybe that would have hit that me harder. Worse, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe the sickness actually helped me in some way to just like, okay, this weekend, zero three, I was sick, whatever, let's go next weekend. I'm gonna get better, let's, let's do it. So, yeah, I think the adversity helped us cope a little bit throughout yeah, yeah, yeah. the season for sure. But actually yeah. something Hank said about like, uh, the official days you have the game in the evening yeah before that you have solo queue then the gaming the evening again the day after so solo yeah queue. is that something so, you guys can rectify can you guys so, scrim before game days? yeah so we actually talked about this after yeah. the first week and we now have in place warm-ups where we either play one or two games yeah. before the official games because we all kind of felt like what hank was saying if things are not going good we have no way to like save ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's just an official there's loss. no way to stop the spiral yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, official yeah. loss into bad solo queue into official loss and it just keeps going and going so we put in place now warm-up slash scrims before our official games to have more ways to like break the 
yeah the bad feeling that could yeah. be from an official so yeah and i also think what makes it worse is the fact that um you with this split you have three games which means you have one off day and three practice days yeah so if you have three practice days only and let's say one of them doesn't go well or what happened to us is we had sick people so our practice days got either cancelled or just didn't go well because people couldn't perform at their best um then suddenly you're maybe screaming one or two times a week and then you show up to the stage you lose a game and then that's all you know you know it feels like you're kind of playing the lec from scratch and i think that is a scary thing i mean it's impressive because despite that sickness and i think how many did anyone on your team not get sick over the course of this first three weeks you had one day I had like one day where I was feeling he was a bit pretending he was superhuman, weird. and then he had one day where he was just dying under the blanket, yeah, which <laughs> proved that I was superhuman. Okay, because so, it was yeah. one day. Yeah, got yeah. it. You're superhuman. Cool. Exactly. I want. I want. Yeah, you're superhuman. <laughs> Super hectic. So <laughs> that sucks. Again, like the the amount of the odd, the odds feel so stacked against you. And obviously, on paper, you guys still have like so much you know all star talent on your lineup, as well as Avenue. You're, you're proving to be like incredible as well, even if you don't have the pedigree of some of the other guys in Oscar Rennan who. Yes, week one was bad, but like as we've seen, week two and three obviously has a lot, a lot more to be seen um, yep. from him and that step up. But like, so despite this sickness, it was actually a pretty positive week two. Was that the moment where you're like, you could like finally breathe a sigh of relief and be like, we are, a, we're not shit. We're a good team. Like we can actually do this. Or did you like, yeah. did you start to believe at that in the moment? For me, I think maybe that's, that week was the biggest emotional roller coaster in my maybe my entire career where i think i felt at an incredibly low point after the bds game where i already had the vitality game where okay maybe i didn't put myself in a great spot um from draft playing in sayarakan with ash seri but still like it felt like my game to kind of win if i play really good on the ash i can maybe kind of carry this and then we lost that um, because it didn't work out very well and then also the bds game where uh, we just missed that kill uh, on bot lane where if that works out, that will be like game winning. And yeah. we will yeah, we misread the matchup a bit. We thought that, or I thought that if we get hooked, like mm-hmm. let's say we land a little bit of poke on enemy AD while he's farming creeps and then we get hooked after we actually win. It doesn't matter if we get hooked. Yeah. But the way we, we played it out was... I bad, thought so, so as well. I thought I'm just going to... Yeah let the guy hook me you know i have guardian uh he doesn't even have lethal tempo we're just gonna like surprise them we're gonna win that the guy dies and uh it's game over for him it was yeah. very close um, if we played a little bit better i think we actually win that yeah so we get hooked in they think they have us but actually we have them yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah i like that they like, call the ambulance carving out for me yeah. i just wanted yeah. to add that you can continue now with your no that's, i mean that's really good context yeah. to have <clears throat> yeah no continue. or or yeah. the greatest cope of all time for getting hit by the hook well, no, we, actually, we actually actually yeah. it was a plan to get hooked i <laughs> just walked up i wanted you actually wanted him we actually, we actually <laughs> played it in scrims a few times this matchup and from yeah. our experience in scrims if we got hooked at the right time it was sort of like them killing themselves yeah so maybe in this particular game it wasn't at the right time but it wasn't like unintentional. We actually practiced. No, this. I know. I'm just. I'm meaning yeah, yeah. you. Like yeah. I'm meaning. I believe what you're <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah. I have no reason to doubt you, but I think it's funny that it also doubles as a sick cope. Yeah. Again, the memes coming out from yeah. this. Like <laughs> the amount of stuff I'm going to be able to say in cast or solo queue now. Like, mm-hmm. no, bro, you don't understand. I'm supposed to get hooked. Yeah, they, they let me park. <laughs> Hank told me. Yeah. Abby told me. Fanatic support. He said, "Get hooked here." <laughs> okay, continue with your weekend yeah, story. Sorry. Yeah. So BDS game, all time low. Yeah. Thank you. Continue. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, so I was there. Yeah, you're great. 
Um, so I, I was there. I got hooked by the Blitzcrank, and I felt really embarrassed by just dying like that, you know, because yeah. it just also looked so stupid. Um, and um, yeah, we lost that game kind of because uh, we could have maybe carried that game from bot. I could have carried that game, but I didn't. And so, um, yeah, I, I hit a really low point, like all the energy that I had coming in, like doing well in scrims, yeah. um, feeling really confident, like, hey, I can compete at this top level. I can be good enough to to play in Fnatic. Um, kind of started to erode after those two games. Yeah. And then also the sickness. So we didn't really have like great practice. Yeah. How much did you, you said like one or two scrims? We like canceled one day each yeah. of the weeks. So both, yeah. right? No, wait. One week we canceled the Wednesday. So we usually have Tuesdays off after the show. Yeah. Then the first Wednesday we canceled because yeah. all of us had to go see the doctor to get our prescriptions for yeah, yeah. antibiotics. And then the week after, Ivan got really sick. This was for week three. Ivan yeah. got really sick towards the end. He played in his own room uh, in the office just to try to contain everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we canceled the Friday. So it was one week, uh, yeah. one day each week that we canceled. One day each week that we canceled, and still then the games that we played were like we kind of had to force ourselves to scrim, yeah. even though people weren't feeling hundred mm. percent. And so that means you're not like you're not really scrimming as well as you want. Yeah. And so. That combined with the fact that I already had two crushing losses where I felt like the game was in my hands to win and I didn't win it for my team. Um, yeah, the infinite positivity and optimism. Yeah, at some point, like, at it some starts point, eroding. You're, again, you're superhuman, but right. you're still human. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. There's still, there's still a human aspect to it. And so I felt really down. Um, and I remember for the... Wait, what did we play after BDS? It was I Heretics. Think it, Heretics. I remember just going to the bathroom. I felt really bad after the BDS game. And I just like decided for myself at that moment, like, I'm just going to come out like nothing ever happened. And I'm just going to play this game. And then I don't know if we lose, then I'll see how I cope that time, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, then that game was still a bit shaky, but at least we won it, you know? Yeah. And I think that kind of sparked all the the momentum. Like, hey, we, we can actually win. Um, it's It's not... Uh, the script is not 100% against us, you know? <laughs> yeah. 99.9. 99.9. Um, yeah. We just got to make a good <laughs> but, anime but story. But we had, we had a chance. You, you like know? that twist? You like that sickness twist? Ooh, yes. fever so high you can't see the screen? How's that one? Yeah. How's that one taste? Exactly. Yeah. You just haven't lived through the Great 0 4 writing. power spike yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it from World 2017. 0 4 is power spike. Mm -hmm. 0 4 is power spike? So yeah. we have the 0.1% chance. Not yeah. so good in this format, I'll be honest. It's yeah. a little rough it, in this format. It's a, it's a daring power, spot, power yeah. spike, but yeah, so then we started winning and then we won the game after that as well and that's when i really got the the vibe back and i felt like hey we can win and people were getting better and then yeah because as, the as game. close as and messy kind of as that team heretics game was like you you guys smashed koi you know what i mean like admittedly like was their draft a little bit suspect yes but like razwork was on a, a goddamn tear and yes. i have never seen a more useless Tarek Kalissa in my life and like no shade yep. to them that just was not a, maybe not the best game play maybe not the best draft for them but you guys like really shut up and i think that's the moment where because the team heretics game that looked like a team that was struggling won a game mm -hmm. the 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 koi game looked like this is a team that is good that won a game and i think that was the moment where a lot of people were like oh shit like maybe it's not doomed for fanatic you know what i mean and especially as we came into that week three and like week three i, I mean you guys just continued to deliver it sounds like even though sickness was still still happening did it feel like there was like a visible or like was there a change that you noticed coming into the office prepping for week three 
like did everyone feel more optimistic was like did it feel more alive were people more excited i think so yeah i think that we like we saw that we could win and we saw that we could actually crush a team if we got a good lead and um obviously Razorak was completely smurfing that game. He was completely in the zone. Yeah. Um, but I also think he saw that he could do that, you know, and then Oscar saw we could win. And then we all saw that, you know, we are a team that can actually beat teams maybe convincingly if we get a good draft. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really brought energy to the, the week after. Yeah. I think we had both kinds of wins we needed, if that makes sense. So yeah. if I look back at the split, um, Without the Heretics win, we were probably doomed. <laughs> yep. I think we needed one of those crappy wins where we just get the win on the board. Yeah. And then I also think we needed the Koi win in a way where we are smashing a team because how that week could have also played out is we beat Heretics in this scrappy game. Yeah. And then we get smashed by Koi and we're yeah. one and five. And the Heretics game doesn't really feel like a win because it was so scrappy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It only really put us in a place where we feel like we can win a game, not actually. Like not that you win, can be win. better. Yeah. You can just like you can win. You yeah. can you yeah. can yeah. We get can at down least in the not mud. be zero nine. Yeah. Um, but with the koi win, we showed ourselves that scrim can be staged. I think yeah. because a lot of our scrim games are kind of like that. We already yeah. did really well in scrims and always have been. So I think we needed both of those wins, like both wins, the different kinds of wins were very needed for us to like fully believe in the project. I think for week yeah. three, and then after that, it's just been kind of smooth sailing. I mean, Australis Day was really unnecessary in my opinion, because. <laughs> Sure, it didn't really matter, but I think we could have done a way better job in terms of like how we planned the draft and mm -hmm. how we wanted to play the game. It felt like we were very loose with all of the things we did so well in the other games. So in my opinion, very unnecessary, but in the grand scheme of things, unimportant, I think, for how the next step is going to be. Well, and also, again, compared to your start of season and compared to that Team Heretics game, you guys were playing League of Legends. Like you were yep. humanoid was building fat leads. Like yes, you guys got two v two bottom lane. Yeah, that Which wasn't was entirely the, my fault. Well, I mean, it wasn't the flashiest moment in yeah. either of your careers, but like you guys were making shit happen. Um, and I think that that is like, is that enough? Coming best of threes, I can't say. But again, when we look at the whole year and not just this split, that's sick progress. Like that's insane progress from week one to week three. Um, and I think that that is that is a really cool thing. The other piece of the puzzle for you guys. Um, you know, other than Human and Razor Career here, who aren't getting as talked about as much on this podcast, and that's okay, they're both doing great, um, is Oscar Rennan. And I was kind of, I never wanted to write this guy off on an individual level because of the circumstances and the team he was coming into. It's just like, you're, you're, not, you're not set up for success, doubled down by sickness. But despite that, um, and despite your rough start, he was, uh, you know, a monster in the second half of the season. He played really well. And there was, you know, definitely better games and worse games overall. But you know, rookie on stage first week, gets camped, turns it around week two, three. It's a great story, so I'm here for it. But what is what is this guy like behind the scene? Like, what is he bringing to the table? Because not a lot of rookie top laners get to pick Jace, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of threw me. I wasn't ready for this. Like, usually when we talk about carry top laners in Europe, we're praying that you're talking about one of the Korean imports, not, you know, domestic talent. So, like, what is it like working with this guy? Were you, were you immediately like, this guy's going to be sick? Uh, does he bring? Is he like you as well, where he brings a lot of intangibles behind the scenes? Is he more reserved? Tell me about uh, Oscar. Very quiet guy, I would say. Like I think he probably fills a similar role as to what the imported top laners bring for other teams. More yeah. like playing on his own, not talking as much, but really high individual level. Yeah. Like completely smashing some lanes, like making enemy pause in five minutes in scrim sometimes. <laughs> um, 
maybe missing out on some team play aspects, but that can be learned. I think this is not the end of the world if he misses a timing where he should be moving instead of pushing yeah. his wave or um, maybe there's a time when he's all-inning top lane when he's weak side. <laughs> can happen, things you can learn, but at least his individual level is really high. So we know if we can get him going in a game, he's just going to take over and you've seen that a little bit, I think, now yeah. in the official games. We see it a lot in scrims, like there's just some games where he's completely 1v9 and there's nothing they can do. So. Um, Really nice to have that kind of X factor, in my opinion, in a team. I I don't see myself as the craziest of players. Yeah. So I always found that when I have crazy players in my team, that works really well because I bring the consistency and then I have someone else that brings the like the craziness. The yeah. craziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Pipo Hilly, I was really successful because they brought the craziness. <clears throat> Sorry. And I can see something similar with Oscar where like the guy doesn't say anything, but he's just solo killing and yeah. On me tooing, and it's just like, okay, <laughs> you don't need to talk. Just do yeah, yeah, if you're solo killing, yeah. you probably don't need to say anything. That's fine. I think it's Sorry. kind of like, um, I feel like what a team needs to perform well is a team, or at least that's how I, my view is on it. A team needs both firepower and glue. And I yeah, think, yeah. I, I think I probably am a bit more on the glue side. I'm consistent. I add something outside the game. I think Mar Martin and I probably both do better at gluing the team together. Yeah. Although I think Martin's probably both. Um, but Oscar is really like just the firepower in yeah. your team. You know, you need people uh, that also have the mechanical prowess, the ability to get leads on their own, to snowball their leads, to yeah. surprise enemies in ways where they can't respond because he's just better. Um, and I think Oscar really brought that to the team on top of the fact that he's just, he's 19 year old. He's such a hungry rookie. Uh, League of Legends is... He, he lives it, he breathes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he cares so much. And to see that in someone, to care so much about the little things he does, the way he performs in scrims, I think that gives you something to mirror yourself to a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's also what, what he has. How does that manifest? Is he like spending every day, like going back and reviewing his laning phase? Is he asking questions? Like when you talk about him, like really caring, how do you, how do you see that he really cares? Like, where does, how does he show it? Um, well, y you can just see it in the way he plays the game. Like uh, he he really gets destroyed if he doesn't play the perfect game. What okay. for him? If he doesn't play a lane phase that is like to him what he he should be doing. Yeah. Even though that's maybe not what you should expect from a rookie at that moment. You know, sure. he would he's destroyed by it, and you can see it. He's unhappy, um, and he's angry at himself that he wasn't playing the best game possible. And yeah, you can see it in the way he approaches lane. Like he's really focused on on how he's looking at that, and you could also see it um, just how he was on stage. Like you can see that he cares so much because no one would have like a bit more shaky performance on stage like that if they didn't care so much, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's like that's a really cool thing to have, and I mean, like that's a rough but respectable way to like engage with your career and your profession. You know, like I always respect people who can do that because I think that's really hard to live a life where you take every loss like it's the most important loss or to like react in such a strong way or to feel absolutely destroyed, um, you know, and like obviously you don't get to pick always how you react. It's not as easy as like, I'm just not going to care. Like, if, <laughs> yeah. but if you're that kind of person, I think that that's really cool that you like that you care so much and that clear that level of commitment. I'm glad that for you guys, it's it's showing up and it's looking strong on stage. And if, if you guys are talking about yourselves as glue, I think that I'm like. I can see how you look at your top side of the map with the way that Oscar's performing and say, hey, we got a lot of, like, we have a lot of, of 
firepower up there yep is yep. that is that kind of how you guys want to be playing the game where you're both like facilitating the rest of the team not that like at league of legends is past the point where i think for most teams 90 percent of the time we are like you're gonna have to play i don't know senna whatever for your entire career whatever the weak side bot lane is now you know whatever the sit safe and scale bot lane is but it's like would you guys both i think in your perfect world or your perfect version of Fnatic, both prefer to be like facilitating the other people on mm -hmm. your team setting up the other people or are you kind of the guys who like want to play through you i think the most optimal way for us to play would probably be through bot because if he's 1v1 top then game is good <laughs> nice yeah. yeah so the more pressure we can bring in bot i think the more it will help our firepower top side to have space mm -hmm. to just play the game for example against astralis i think that they, they did a pretty good job at shutting him down top he was getting they were two ganked yep. into the 2v2 or 3v3 they had top into dove on the big wave so they were really trying to yeah. shut him down and yeah. i think the more pressure we can do bot the less likely something like that is to happen so in my head the more optimal game wouldn't be to say we're weak side bot do your go thing. gank top it yeah, would be yeah. we're Let gonna hit, we're gonna hit your tower plates bot and if you don't come and gank us we're gonna take the tower and yeah. then that in turn will give oscar space I, like so, I think it allows us yeah. to do both you know because yeah. um i don't think every team probably has that that ability but we can do that on bot and say, hey, if you guys don't come here, we're going to take something you don't want us to take. And at the same time, Oscar can do the same thing, you know? Yeah, um, just he, on individual advantage yes. or, yep. I mean, draft I, I think that actually the worst thing you can do is what you're saying. Yeah, like it's just, just like just send accept, your jungler yeah. top and let it be a 2 Just accept that yeah. top is strong side, what is weak side regardless of draft or how mm. the game is going. Because I've been in that You've, yeah, many I've, yeah, times. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I've been in that many times. And it feels sort of like an ancient way of looking at yeah. uh, the game. Because teams are good enough now to like really like pressure you and take stuff from you if you are not contesting. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what happened to us in winter. Like yeah. We had this idea that, okay, bot is just weak side. And we play against some teams and they're like, they're taking our tower. Yeah. <laughs> they're they walking up and us. getting free yeah. money they're, because you decided bot is weak side. Yeah, they yeah. stack through waves and they dive us. Before, a couple of years ago, nothing of this would ever happen. Because tower damage didn't mean anything. Yeah. Like money. And yeah, uh, there were nobody no plates, dived. Everybody. No one dived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now it's just a very different game. And now I think you can't just say this lane is not contested. I think you yeah. just have to contest everywhere, especially if you're winning. That yeah. is like the actual best strategy as well. If yeah. you're winning, you go where they go. If they want to gank top, you go top and you, you kill them. If they want to gank bot, you go bot and you kill them. That's the best way of playing a winning game. So yeah. I think the old, the old ways of weak side, strong side, like there are times in the game where you are weak side, strong side, but it sure, cannot sure, be sure, sure. predetermined. It's, it's from the flow of the game. Yeah, yeah. And also it's not as, um, let's say like black and white as it maybe used to be. I mean, sometimes yeah. it is with like, we still have like Scion is still in the meta, yeah. who's obviously yeah. not going to get a lot of attention, but it's not yeah. as simple as just like, we go to this lane or we don't go to this yeah. lane. It's very specific to champs, I think. You have yeah. some champs you can do this bot with, but most of them are not AD carries, I would yep. say. You can do it with Sigs bot, maybe with Seraphine bot, where you can just clear the wave from a mile away and they can't do anything about it. But with almost every AD carry in the game, I think you are in a spot where you have to contest bot because yep. if I'm not taking creeps, I'm I'm just getting slow pushed on and dived or my plates are falling. So it's yeah. very specific to champs maybe the scion top yeah and the seraphine six spot but that's it really the yeah. rest of it you have to like you have to play the game properly and you have to actually think about where like where they have waves stacking what they can do with those waves like you have to contest basically yeah no i like it i feel like the i i don't know if league of legends is getting more interesting 
every year or if i'm just finally learning more about league of legends I think so people I are just getting better more. yeah, yeah. like maybe a little both probably <laughs> but i like it more and more hearing like the importance of drafting those matchups and playing to kind of where you have those strengths as opposed to looking at it as like we have these players blah 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 they're the strong players that we I mean, for sure you should lean into the strengths also right? true but, but it's, it's like there's just more yeah. and more variables that are being appreciated and added in here which makes it more complicated but also i think uh, a lot more interesting yeah now we are moving up two patches now there's a lot, a lot of changes. Um, initial impressions from you guys, assuming you, you talked about it, you scrimmed a little bit. Is there anything that you're excited about on the new patch? Again, don't want you to leak any picks. We're going to talk about your matchup versus Strauss in just a second. But before we do that, is there anything super spicy you've seen in solo queue? Anything fun for all the um, mm. the bronze to bronze to plat Andes out there that are just looking for something new? Like, is there any... I guess Jinx is strong for AD now, but she was already kind of played before even like pre-buff people yeah, were playing it in lsc now you can steal baron better. but not buffed yeah, yeah. Now you, you can, can get sick cool reddit place, place. Yeah. so <laughs> maybe jinx is the one now it's i don't know yeah. but uh honestly not too much new i think yeah. um eddie carries got kind of nerfed i don't know if it's 13.5 or 13.6 when they had bloodline nerf yeah, tempo 13, quick blades yeah yeah blood th- blood yeah. got nerfed quick blood blades 13.6 yeah. zaya got nerfed on 13.5 that plus the quick blades nerf is actually pretty chunky so yeah Good nerf, I think, because like Bloodthirster tech was too much. Oh, you mean you didn't like playing against Bloodthirster first Draven? You yeah. didn't think that that was not you know a really yeah. great time when he had that 200 damage shield and you didn't have an item yet? Yeah, no, I agree. So some of that was for sure uh, needed, I think, for, yeah. for AD carry state. But I wouldn't say too much have changed. Just Bloodthirster isn't... Yeah, Bloodthirster overheal was really too much, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit less now uh jinx is there i think jinx is a really cool champ to play and uh to watch probably so yeah uh healthy i think that she's in the meta maybe i agree um maybe this this also in turn then changes a lot of things on the map because if you all of a sudden have a jinx bot that means she can carry the game on her own you don't sure you don't maybe need as much now a carry top side or maybe your support should be more peeling now than like a yeah. ranged support or an engaged Herald support. Harold gets so, riskier because she takes yeah. tower plates so fast. So yeah. things in tandem yeah. can change as well. But for AD Carry, I would say Jinx is the only one that really like popped up yeah. as of late. But she already popped up in 13-4, so I don't think that yeah. was I mean, you guys new. played her in your last game. Uh, yeah, and I also think that the ranged champions probably on both, like the supports, the, the crazy picks, like we're kind of over that phase. Um and it and it just got on the <laughs> nerf. Ash yeah. base damage nerf. Gold. Volley! Yeah. There's a lot of abilities in the game that I think are objectively like wildly powerful, like smoke screen, Soraka silence. Volley yeah. slips in there, and I mm-hmm. hate it. Yeah, that ability. Probably. I will say Passive. though, in my Soul Q games, Senna support looks incredibly yeah. strong. It, it I don't know, know why because she has not been buffed. And she has been actually. Okay. She has been yeah, yeah. in the last two patches. I I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm gonna look. I'm not I didn't sure. See any Senna changes, but I, I I don't think she was. But so the sickle nerf was there. Uh, yep. Glaive nerf was there and I, I thought as everyone else probably this is the this is the end for AD carry support mm-hmm. and I swear in my solo queue games Senna is way too OP I know it's solo queue <laughs> like she's getting stacks on 13, cooldown 13-4 she got uh, attack speed ratio increased slightly oh yeah they tried to put her as AD carry yeah, uh, yeah. tried to make her AD carry again with Kraken Ace, but I mean it's a lot of alt it's just alt buffs so yeah. it's not that big 13-3 there's some bugs. but fixes. it's not the crit one I see on support it's the same as before it's like lethality rush, uh, they skip oh, the like glaive. The they do I the, the crit one. Me that too. Fun, the... But you need too much gold. And yeah, yeah. On AD carry, it's just not possible with farming. But fasting Senna in Master Cube looks crazy strong, and I don't understand why. They were trying to nerf AD carry support, and now of a sudden Senna's support is like 
I anyway. So anyway, you, anyway, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah but all right, all the, I mean, I love fasting Senna, not because I like Senna. I actually hate Senna, but I like the champion she enables. So I would love to see that personally. That adds a lot of creativity. You might see it with some board. teams. I mean, Koi Botlin used to be a Senna, uh, like a Senna team, Senna Mad, lane team. Kind Mad of. Matt, when Carsi played there with Kaiser, used to yeah. be a Senna team. So there are maybe some teams that G2 do have the shit. same experience as me, yep. where this champion is just killing you from a mile away every game. So maybe <laughs> they pick it up for this patch. I don't know. Or it's bait and you think it's terrible. Mm. Who knows? That's and the that's, that's, why that's, he's that's the propaganda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or maybe really. I'm trying to persuade my team to play it. <laughs> Could go Ooh. either way. Um, I mean, I'm excited. I hope that the patch is a little bit different. I think we were kind of... I would love something different in bot lane. I think that something fresh. I wouldn't mind one or two patches of hyper carry versus hyper carry. I wouldn't mind full Zaya Kaisa. I would mm. love I Kaisa saw a little bit. Yeah. Not so much, you know. But I guess we'll just have to see how it unfolds. There's vein buffs too, but I don't. More top lane, I would say, than anything. Yeah. Well, they nerfed top lane a tiny bit on the max health damage, but I think that, yeah, more than anything, people are probably yeah. still just going to play her top. But we'll have to find out. Um, shifting focus again, though. You guys played Jinx Thresh into Zaya Blitzcrank. We talked about it. There's a 2v2 kill. Yep. It was rough. You said it was your fault. What did yeah, you do? What happened? Fault. I mean, I'm did, also... did you Did you tank a hook? Did you think that, like, they were going to... You had the advantage again, so you just... Walked mm, up I don't know. Somewhere. I just, like, there was a, there was a whole, like... Uh motion of mistakes kind of in yeah. a row where first i i saw enemy zaya in my face and i kind of knew blitzcrank could be around but i didn't I, I didn't want him to be there when i didn't see blitz like i felt insulted so i wanted to punish him yeah and then you grabbed the key instead of trying to park the car right <laughs> and then the blitzcrank instantly showed up the moment i go and i'm suddenly in, in a little bit of a pickle yeah and then i just have to accept it i have to take the loss and yeah. be like okay i'll probably just flash and then I have no flash, but we can play the game. Saya has no cleanse. Yep. Fair trade-off. Maybe we get a kill of it. Maybe they get a kill of it. At least we can still play the game. Um, but then I remembered the last time against Blitzcrank, I screwed up. So now I have to redeem myself. And so I decide that I'm just going to try and sidestep the hook. Oh, no. Um, he's parking the car. Uh, oh, he's parking, uh, parking the car. <laughs> Park the car. No, it sounds like he's trying to grab the key. I have to sidestep yeah. the hook. I was like, I'm just sidestepping the hook. I can do that. I've done it before in my life. And so the Blitzcrank comes. He hits me with the kind of the edge of the hitbox. And uh, I don't flash it because it's like, it's not like super clear hit. Dodge and I didn't want to do, like, I just wanted to be the one dodging it kind of. And then I get hit. And then I can still get out, but I throw a lantern with which I block my own champion. So I cannot <laughs> go to the corner, which would like make me escape. And then I see my champ walk around like that. I flash out. I still get hit. God and then bless you that, guys yeah. made it. Because if that was your elimination game <laughs> yeah. and that was your play, you want to talk yeah. about a spiral, you would have been like, I'm the worst support of all yeah. time. But luckily, like you didn't need that win. Yeah, we didn't need it. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I think after that, we could have still really easily won the yeah. game. Um, but I definitely didn't make it easier for, for my team, and, mm. and that's completely on me. I mean, it was it was tricky because Copy was really strong that entire game, and yeah. is and, and is, Saya is yeah. Saya, so, I mean, she got nerfed good. twice. Yeah. Uh, well, Navori got nerfed, and she got nerfed. So there's, that was pre pre nerf. Yeah, this was pre nerf. That's yeah. what I mean. Like she got nerfed, so obviously yeah. she was pretty strong yep. on that patch. Um, yeah, we, we had our moments to pressure that game. Like we knew we were gonna win the first level, so we could set up a slow push. On that slow push, I can base, get my item advantage, and then we can play before they crash. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that, yeah. which was really bad. And then on the next slow push, we should always be diving. We didn't do that. Yeah. So um, in my opinion, that game, we just felt like way more loose with what we were doing. I think normally we'd be really precise with those timers as a duo and as a team. Yeah. And in that game, it just felt like, okay, we're going to give Saya 
we're not gonna do anything to Saya. Just let her farm, yeah. and then ah, she's pretty strong. <laughs> Can't do much later. Yeah, because she one shots you like completely one shots your front line. Yeah, and any other AD carry, even Jinx, who is supposed to excel at that, is nowhere close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like yeah. Navori again, Navori's eye is disgusting. So yeah, and God bless they nerfed. So I think our bit. like loose way of handling that game was just really biting ourselves yeah. because. I think if you give Saya, you have to be really precise with shutting her down because if she's in any way strong in the game, mm -hmm. you cannot win a team fight. Yeah, you cannot go on her, and if you don't go on her, she's gonna kill all of you. So what do you do? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing through. You should have. Uh, we everything. should have. Uh, we should have split the map that game. I think tried to fight a little bit less, but we were just perma fighting on cooldown, and she was. Yeah, there was a couple yeah. times where you definitely like next to their tier one or whatever, just came over the wall. Yeah, Zaya's just stacking feathers, waiting, waiting yeah. for another person to walk in, just one shotting all of you. Like there's yeah, yeah there's definitely a few moments. I think we would do that better in another game when, like yeah, which is important because anyway. <laughs> you're gonna get another up to three games against yeah. this exact same team. Um, but it sounds like I mean the good news I think if, if Fnatic fans are watching this or people who want to see you do well is it's like. Sounds like it's pretty easy for you to brush off. Sounds like you're pretty aware of what went wrong. How is this a draft thing? Is this just not giving Zaya up? Is it like you already talked to us a little bit about diligence, but like what do you actually what do you actually change coming into your next matchup versus Astralis this week? Um I mean, you wanna go first? You Again, go first. avoiding specifics of draft. <laughs> don't don't leak me the juice. Um, not live, at least on the podcast. I mean, <laughs> I think we were pretty clear on what went wrong and how like we approached it wasn't the right way. We were loose. We were maybe a bit lost at some phases. Like I think giving the blitzcrank probably wasn't the best idea at that time. And uh, we didn't really have a strat coming into that. Also, yeah, the we will just not be as loose, I guess, coming in. Yeah. Um and yeah, I think that will already make like a big difference coming into the game. I think also for me, the mistakes I made, like I kind of understand why I made them. So I know how to avoid them next time. Yeah. I don't think it was like a knowledge issue or a skill issue, but rather just like, um, I wouldn't say mindset, but just like a way of thinking about the situation that was wrong. And if I just adapt that coming yeah. into the next game, then I won't make these mistakes and then I'll be good in the game. Yeah, And so... Yeah, I think just fixing those things, which are, I think, fairly easy to recognize, will give us a lot more yeah. Yeah, legroom, I guess. We talk a lot about the champions kind of um, in isolation here and talking about the draft, but like when you talk about Kabe and Jonghoon as a bottom lane, like what are your impressions of playing against them? How do you feel? How do they compare to some of the other lanes in the league? Because um, it seems like on, on paper, certainly, and across Astralis' wins, I think they've been like huge factors in Astralis'. They were in uh, winter as well. I think yeah, yeah, they've uh, been good. From the start, like, yeah, I'm not talking just this year, I'm talking last year as well. Yeah, like, w whenever um, they've played, they've always looked really good. Yeah, from I, the get go. I, and I, I'm glad to hear you say that. Like, is this is this something that you guys think about when you like, are you guys kind of nameplate off gamers when you go to matchup, you don't care who you're playing against, or do you like look at specific player tendencies? Do you focus more on specific matchups? Like, how do you, how does it feel to play against these guys? I try to keep the player in mind because I think everyone plays a little bit different. So, usually, it feels beneficial to keep like. Keep in mind how they want to play. Mm -hmm. I know some players want to farm more, some want to fight more, so I can like go into the, the draft with a different idea of what kind of matchup I want to end up in or the early levels in how I should behave because they have yeah different yeah. ways of how, how they want to pressure me or how they want to get a lead. Um, something I wanted to mention before, this was like half an hour ago, so a bit late. <laughs> no, but, no, you're good. You're um, it feels like everyone's... Yeah, this was back when we were talking about like you were saying maybe... People are just betting, getting better at the game. This yeah. is when, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> I feel like now when I'm playing LSE, there's no game which is like free. There's no one I'm playing against bot where I'm thinking, okay, this guy is bad. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's pretty good now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of ties into like the, the Kobe Young Hoon thing because last year, even when they weren't doing well, they were playing well. Mm-hmm. In winter, when they weren't doing too well in the beginning, they were playing well, and now they're playing well again. So there's nothing that's free. Um, I don't think Astralis is anywhere near free. I think they're actually kind of kind of scary team <laughs> because I, I agree. Um, yeah, draft feels so hard to plan out since they play a bunch of champs that no one else plays. Zed. So you have. Um, we have scrims that are gonna be basically useless for for some lanes mm-hmm. coming into this game because they will just have completely different champion pools. Yeah, uh, you're playing as a team, Astralis in this case, that um, play really aggressive. They level two gank, level one invade. They dive everywhere. They drop waves and fight. And again, scrims could be kind of useless here because most teams play a very opposite style where they are more controlled, reserved, trying to scale. Um, Really scary matchup, I think, and I think that's what we struggled with a lot as well when we faced them last time because they just they were just fighting us everywhere, and yeah. uh, we don't know how to like stop it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I, I think if we're not fighting and we're just playing the game out, kind of baiting them to like please come fight us and only yeah. taking the good fights for us, then it should be good because they are they are in fact dropping waves, they are in fact playing comps that should be like kind of worse they don't have much wave clear in their comps they're playing full ad comps multiple times so it just feels like we have to avoid their game but it's so hard to avoid their game they're like g like the old g2 where they're just like yeah yeah they're just brute forcing you. that's i mean that's high <laughs> praise and i mean yeah. like i i can see what you're saying there because i think that there's i mean obviously in the perfect world of, of league of legends when someone you know drops a wave you nobody dies Nobody concedes anything, and you've essentially just gained 300 gold over your opponent or however much a wave is worth these days. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, yeah. and against them, but it feels easier said than done because if they actually can force the play and they actually can make yeah. it happen, then they can make it wildly positive for them. But it is definitely a more volatile way to play. Um, it's cool to hear them get so much praise. And obviously, leader is that immortal curveball. I imagine for humanoid, it's like, uh, you know, like, what what am I going to play against? Because he has yeah. shown now that he'll also just play the normal shit, which is like makes it even more annoying because it's not like you can just be like, all right, what beats Aurelia? What beats Zed? Like, you have to also be ready for an A-Soul, yep. an Annie, um, you know, and credit to him. Obviously, a big glow up for leader. Had him on the podcast a few episodes ago. Um, but cool to hear them get that praise. Is it? So is it just discipline, you think, from your guys' perspective? Is it just very not much, getting yeah. caught up into yeah, the, into the craziness? Yeah. I think against Astralis, like, you can gain advantages, I think, relatively easy if you play the good game, if you play good League of Legends. But they have this constant looming threat of, like, an axe factor, yeah. which means that while you're playing the game, you can't, like, kind of relax because, like, a lot of things can happen that yeah. you're not used to. And so you need to be on edge. And I think if you are on edge and you are like uh, sharp and you're at the top of your game, then then they're beatable um, with, with good macro. Yeah. But also it comes at the cost of like, if you sleep one second, you're going to get punished for it and you're out of your... This, that that can zone. start at the yeah. beginning of the game. Yeah. That sure. can start with them five men invading somewhere, putting wards everywhere. And like, they they just have so much stuff that yeah. <laughs> that uh 113 is planning yeah. i know it's him because i play with yeah. him <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah so we we just need to be careful of that and we were kind of i remember we were prepping for the astralis game and um we, we had been scrimming them before and he was level two ganking top and i was telling i was asking oscar wasn't this the guy that level two ganked you in, in scrims a few times and he was like yeah this was the guy and then we went, went over their official games they had no level two ganks yet not a single one yeah and they they usually had three camps into invade action whatever you want to yeah. call it 
And then against Dusty Level 2 gank again. So I know he's cooking. It's one on three. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we need to be really careful with how we yeah, how we play, how we discipline ourselves yeah. because it starts from the get-go. It's Th- this sounds like level one. That's uh, it. On a personality level, not to talk about your gameplay at all, but just like such an annoying matchup for you. As a guy who wants to analyze every possible outcome, when you find a team that's gonna play not to let's call it the the rules of League of Legends, where it's like, all right, you have to sit in mid and catch this wave. You have to do this. I have pressure here. You have to back off and respect that. You know, like that sounds like for you as a guy who wants to consider every possibility, just really annoying. Like no comment on yeah. how it's going to affect your gameplay. It just sounds like this is like the worst on a personal level, the most annoying matchup for you to oh, play. Oh, definitely. Because I, I always wonder if I can throw curveballs to enemy team or if they can do the same to me. But yeah. If the curveball is just a bad play, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, and, uh, and yeah, that adds an extra layer of like sometimes confusion to it. It's yeah. like, but I, I have my own ways of of dealing with that. I I tend to ask my teammates who are maybe better at recognizing other things, like, hey guys, is this allowed? Like, is this legal? <laughs> and then I I act on it, um, yeah. which I think helps me a lot in dealing with that. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it is yeah. really annoying. Personal yeah. level, yeah, I can see that. Um, well, I mean, it's going to be really exciting. One of the first best of threes of the weekend. But I wanted to talk about some of the other matchups, too, to get you guys' kind of takes or, or predictions on how you're feeling about some of the rest of the table. Um, you guys playing as Fnatic, obviously, it's double elim now. So you don't have to win, but you lose any hope of double elim and best of five if you, you know, just win through. Yep. Um, the other team in your group, Mad vs. Vitality. Mad have been looking a little lost, I would say, even if they found a little bit of redemption here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like getting their tiebreaker, getting out in the end. Definitely a fall from grace. We talked about the start. Like, you assumed... I assumed, I think everyone assumed that they would look like top two, top three team. Um, They have barely made it into playoffs just (laughs) behind you guys. They're up against Vitality. Like, is this a clean sweep for Vitality? How do you guys feel about Vitality as well? Because they're a team that's has super, super high expectations, but the game results haven't delivered, I think, in the same way, even if some of the games where they've won have looked really good. I think that team is just like one ball of firepower together. Yeah. And um, they're just really talented players, all of them individually. And um, yeah, it's just scary to play them because they can just outplay you in, in, in many ways in lanes. But I also think that maybe... In situations where they cannot rely only on that, yeah. they struggle. And uh, that's why there's the inconsistency. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I think that team, like, if it, if it gets rolling, if they, they find their way to kind of play together, mm-hmm. then they're a really scary team, yeah. Yeah, and on the mad side, is it just, like... I mean, mad is a team where I look at, like, you... Again, this is a team where you look on paper, you see a lot of potential strengths. Um, you know, Chasey's had a lot of incredible games. He was looking really scary, especially in winter. Uh, it's similar story, Alyoya. I think that up until a lot of new junglers have been rising up to contest him coming into this year, you would say that he's probably like next to Maorang as number one. And I think that this split mm-hmm. maybe hasn't been the best for him. Similar for Hillisang. I think Hillisang is, it's not, again, I think the coin flip adage has gone too far at this point, but like he has games where he looks like a god and he has games where he doesn't look like he, he you know, is nearly as good. So it's like, do you guys put, do you, personally, do you guys have faith in Matt? Are you like, Matt are really going to turn this around? Or do you think this is like, vitality are clear favorites here and you would need to see something that you like haven't seen from mad yet for them to to take this i think vitality are very clear favorites for me i'm actually surprised they ended 6-3 right yeah because some of their losses were free wins i think i think the bds game was probably a free win if they played that out better so in my mind um vitality is really like really hard team to play against because they have so much 
individual power yep. that they're almost always going to get a lead. That's probably how most of their scrims are growing as well, that they're just getting continuous leads. Mm-hmm. So if they can do that on stage as well, get a lead, I'm pretty sure they are comfortable enough to end the game. As the opponent team, I think you you kind of have to stop that lead from happening. So you have to be contesting everywhere. And I'm not sure if Mad is that kind of team to do that. They feel more like a mid-game team than an yeah. early game team to me. And I think to beat Vitality, you probably have to have a really good early game to stop their lead from happening. Yeah. We were not a really good early game team when we played them and we got ran over yeah. in 20 minutes. So um, my way of beating them would be to like really try to contest the lanes because they have too much individual power. Um, I'm just not sure if Mad is that team, to be honest. It feels like Mad is more the like the mid-game, mid-game team, the scrappy team, team that's running yeah. around, fighting everywhere. And I don't know if they're going to make it there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's, a, it's a tall task. You're right. Like There are games where Vitality are building like thousands of in gold and individual yeah. leads really early on. Yeah. Um, fast forwarding. Assuming you beat Astralis, you have to play them. Are you guys confident this time around that you can actually match them, that you can implement that same strategy you're talking about where you can fight fire with fire in the laning phase and like get out of that point in the game where they can just take over? Mm, it's going to be hard, but uh, more comfortable this time than last time. I think last time it was really yeah. embarrassing game. I think this time we play them, it will not be. It will be hard for sure, but it's not an impossible task. I think we we just have to be really strong early, have a really like, good plan of how we're supposed to do this so that we don't leave anyone hanging. I think they're going to be quick to like, yeah. if Oscar is in a bad spot or I'm in a bad spot, they're going to be quick to dive me and take my plates and zone me off the tower and put a lead on either upset or photon. So we need to be really like good at covering top, covering bot, covering top, covering yeah. bot, getting the pushouts, getting the bases, making sure the game is stable because then we can enter the mid game without minus 5k and probably play more of a macro game where I think we should be better. Yeah just straight up better than Vitality, so we need to get to that point, yeah. But I'm surprised uh, Astralis chose us, actually. I expected this to be us Vitality now, Mad Astralis first round. I'm mm-hmm. surprised it's like this. I, To be honest, I'm, I'm a little surprised as well. I don't know what Astralis' experience have been in scrims against Mad, since Mad are also a team that's willing to be more scrappy. Maybe they found From them. what I've heard, they have bad scrims all the time. Yeah. So Even I, in yeah, winter, they have bad scrims. I was, I was caught off guard as well. Um, I think that I can see validity in both. And perhaps like they don't have the same insight into your success, and they're just like we feel like. I mean, they did just also just beat they you. Beat yeah, us. yeah. 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 So, <laughs> you know, maybe they're just yeah. like well, we beat them once, we could do it two yeah. more times, get the fake best yeah. of five. Not that it really matters in the end because you can make it through. Like even if, <clears throat> uh, even if you're mad here, you can still make it yeah. through by beating mm-hmm. us in Australia. So it doesn't really matter if you play first in the end. But sure, I'm just surprised they chose us because yeah. in my mind we felt like the stronger team than Madge at the time. Yeah. So maybe they know something I don't know, or maybe yeah. they don't know what we know, <laughs> yeah. whatever way you want to see it. But um, yeah, in my mind, it's Vitality over match and then us over Astralis, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And then we just need to be really strong early game against Vitality. That's yeah. the key. I so think. ultimately, you have to beat essentially two teams to yep. make it out. So is it for you guys, is it uh, just Astralis mad, like the clear path? Yep. To, to victory. That's the clear path, yeah. And then we have our chance against Vitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I that, think that'll be, that'll be. Yeah, not perfect, yeah, just yeah. like just generally. Because like, like, you have to be better than two of the teams. Yeah. So not even thinking about the matchups and how what, what order they're going to play out in, but it's like you guys feel like you can be better than Astralis and Mad. Like that's the cleanest path to victory for you yeah, guys. Definitely. I mean, yeah. It's a step by step thing, right? We yeah. beat Astralis, we beat Mad, we can beat those, then everything after that is kind of a bonus. And then we keep on marching forward with the momentum that we got, you know. And yeah. I think we are a team that's like, we're still a very new team. And um, I think that the more time we can give ourselves, the more we can grow and then the more we can build on that again. And so, yeah, just take it step by step and see where we end up. 
Yeah, makes I mean makes a ton of sense. Um, shifting attention to the other side of the bracket, BDSSK G two Koi um, G two Aura of Untouchability and Best of. Do you think it's still there? Do you think it's still just like there's just the easy predict in just about every series? I think so. Yeah. 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 I can imagine also if you are G two and you win the winter split, you have your qualification for MSI. It's natural that you don't go as hard yeah, in, in the regular season. In this regular season, because I feel like looking at them this regular season versus last split, they're way just way more chill. <laughs> yeah. They're like not smashing games. They're not like they just seem more chill with how they've approached everything. And maybe that was a regular season thing because they didn't feel like they needed to push as hard after just winning winter, just getting yeah. that qualification. Um, but now it's playoffs. I know that team is hungry, so yeah. they're, they're they're just yeah they're gonna be. I'd imagine they're gonna be ready. Clear favorites, and I think yeah. we'll see what Koi can do. Um, but I, I don't want to spend too much time on that matchup, not because I don't think Koi deserves the attention, but because I just think BDSSK is super interesting to me because these are again two teams yeah. that last last season I didn't expect to be anywhere. Yeah, who have both risen up, but recently BDS looking. Um, we talked about them like maybe they should have Vitality should have won that game against them, but when yeah. I look at BDS's season. I see a lot of games where they're winning pretty handedly early to mid game. And then they just throw, you know, a lot of the losses that they did accrue were like really just like awkward late games. And maybe some of them they're getting outscaled, but like, mm. what's your read on, on BDS as a team? Like if you had to loosely stack rank them or like a top three team, a top four team, where do you see BDS in the standings? Cause in the regular season, obviously they did great, but that's just best of ones. Like how, how scary is BDS really? Do you guys think? Well, I thought their bot lane always had like a really strong read on the ranged matchups. I think they were maybe even, yeah, they were probably one of the best bot lanes specifically to the ranged matchups and they were, they're even good on the other ones. Um, so I think if they can get that situation, then they can do really well. Um, whereas uh, maybe if the, if the matchups are a bit different, then it, it's, it will be different. And I think with BDS, it is always kind of like how well can SK contain uh, the Adam show? Because I think Adam is like the ultimate X factor on top. Yeah. And he can just, you know, pick a Darius and solo kill you and take over the game out yep. of nowhere. Um, but in the past, you've also seen that Adam can have these games where it's like, is this really not working? And then you can win from that. So I think it's really just about how well can SK contain that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think on top of the fact that Shio was, I think, also maybe a mini one-one-three, yeah. And so they also both have a crazy playstyle. They look for ganks, they look for picks, they look to skill check you. And maybe on the new patch with some jungle changes, that is a bit worse. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe Marcoon's like experience uh, can take over there. Uh, but yeah, I think it will be mostly like how well can they contain Adam and how well can they contain the, the bull lane? Yeah, we talked about Vitality as like super clear favorites. We talked about G2 as super clear favorites. Do you think BDS are really clear favorites or do you think this is like actually a pretty close best of three? I, I actually have SK close. in my mind winning this series. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they <clears> did beat BDS in the regular season, admittedly. Only one of their two losses, the other one being G2. But um, like, why, why do you have faith in SK? What is it that SK are doing that like makes you believe in them in this, in this best of? I don't know. It's just a feeling. I think um, from watching the split, SK had some really weird games. Yeah, I agree. With um, that. <laughs> I don't think they are. They ended four or five like us, right? Um, yep, I'm, yep. 
I don't have the feeling that they're a four or five team. I think they're actually really good, really solid, and have been then like from winter, playing really good around their bot lane. Uh, jungle is doing really well. I think top is having like having some really good games. Seems like the perfect weak side guy. Um, mid is doing really well. Like Sartre's had some really pop off performances. Uh, Isakali uh, comes to mind. Um, I feel like that team is just really strong all around. Like they yeah. have a really good, um, just like idea of how to how to behave as a team. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, I have BDS, which to me looks like they're losing a lot of games. And then they have like what Hank said, the Adam show, where he yeah. just like completely takes over a game, or Crown scales to the point where he can take over the game. But if I look at them as a team, I don't have the same feeling as I have when I look at SK. Yeah. It feels like BDS are stealing a lot of wins. Maybe in your mind, they're throwing a lot of losses, but in my mind, they're stealing a lot of wins. Yeah, that's fair. So I just have, I just have a feeling that SK might be the team in that series. And it's not to like put BDS down or anything because I, I understand why there are seven wins. Like Adam to me is, yeah, he's really crazy player. I think he's I like see, really yeah. carrying games to, to the point where- We've mentioned it yeah. a few times, but I do want to say it again. Like the, the glow up of Adam from mm -hmm. his time on Fnatic in that like lower bracket run to now is is really cool and is really wild to watch because it felt like there was a portion of his career where yeah he was going to play Olaf or Darius or Renekton or whatever basically every game um, and it felt like a lot of times it was a liability and it felt like you were kind of flipping a coin a lot of the times because he maybe didn't but now he like wave control is better laning is better he is a player is a more you know like well-rounded player and yeah. is bringing so much more to the table and he's kept all that really obnoxious <laughs> bullshit that people remember him it for. It fits well in this meta. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think it may be a little bit worse now than in winter, but in winter yeah. it was like perfect Adam meta. Mm -hmm. I think with how Adam is playing, with how crazy he's playing, how much pressure he takes from the enemy team, that buys so much time for Crowny because Crowny is also doing really well. Yeah. Shout out to Crowny. On the other side. Yeah. yeah. So you have Adam that's like carrying the game for 30 minutes, like putting so much pressure, even to the point sometimes where he wins that game on his own. And if it ever goes south, you have Crowny scaling and at some point taking over because he's only playing scaling picks. He never plays anything early game. He's only yep. playing scaling picks. He's so like game insurance. I, I see BDS more as like an individual strength team. Mm -hmm. They're winning off of like Adam popping off or Crowny popping off. Yeah. But and I think SK on the other side is just like, to me, a team. And I'm thinking then it's a best of three. They had some really weird games in regular season. I don't, I don't think they're a four or five team, just as how I don't think BDS is a seven, two team. So in my mind, SK is winning yeah. the series. Yeah. And the glue firepower kind of reference, I think BDS is a team with more firepower, but SK is absolutely, at least from my perspective, a team with yeah. more glue. They're a team that gels. Back. Maybe all they needed was yes. the jungle change. Like with uh, your camps being yeah. able to be invaded now, maybe the craziness that as, as Hank said like Sheo brings or 113 brings is more easily punished because now you can actually get invaded and lose your camps yeah. and you can't just gank top on repeat maybe that's what BDS wants to do or in one, uh, 113's case like maybe gank mid on repeat and get leader ahead yeah like that's just more easily punished now so it could be worse for these teams that really try to be as crazy as possible and I don't see SK as a team that needs that they just seem to win off of like being a good team yeah yeah I think then the <clears throat> final kind of question here uh Who's, who's actually making it out? Two teams are making it out at the end of the day. You're giving SK the favor. You're giving G2 the favorite. So obviously one of them is making it out. But who's the other team? Is it is it is it G2 and SK all the way out of the group? Is it Koi and SK? It could be Koi, honestly. It could be anyone, but also G2. Like <laughs> <laughs> It's G2 and somebody yeah, else. It's G2 probably and so on, yeah. <laughs> the thing is with Koi for me, they look 
lost, like completely lost when they play. And then all of a sudden they come into week two with this idea with the Kaisa roaming mid Lee Sin jungle, no matter what. Yep. Um, and they look really good. Yeah, kind of like so, the Lissandra, the TF. Yeah, it looks yeah, pretty good. So now they have two weeks. Can they come up with another plan? Because they seem lost, but when they have a plan, all of a sudden they're insane. So can they come up with a plan? Um, I would say probably. They have a lot yeah. of experience in that team on how it is to go far. I mean, they had the run last split, won the summer last year. So they have the experience there to make it. It feels like you shouldn't count them out just because they lose to G2 probably in the first series. Yeah. If they I have agree. some sort of plan for this patch that they, they can find success on, I think that is that is something that can make them the second team in that group. I want to see it. I want to see how weird the patch gets because I think on paper it's a lot of small adjustments, but those are often... Those those can sneak up on yeah, us. Yeah, they pro shift play. a lot of like uh, priorities in other places, and then that shifts the rest, and suddenly you have a whole different game to play. So it can yeah. definitely change. So we have Fnatic and Vitality making it out of one group. G two and somebody else, probably Koi or SK. Sorry, BDS. Um, we'll it see. could be BDS. I think could also be BDS. be BDS. Also because of the 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 current trend of like BDS is kind of the team that's winning. They they were doing well, and SK kind of had a slump. Yeah. Maybe after the first split, they shifted the expectations mm -hmm. rather than being the rookie team and being like, everything's fine from this point. Suddenly, they put pressure on themselves. Oh, they did. Which really sure. doesn't help no their cause. And maybe BDS has that honeymoon phase SK had last split right now. So I think it could be it could really be anyone there. I like it. They're on a 3-1 streak. So Adam has Irrelevant, Broken Blade, and Shigenda. Yep. I think maybe against Irrelevant, it's hard for him to like completely I take over. But Shigenda so. matchup could be good for Adam, I think. Shigenda, yeah, that's going to be volatile. Because Shigenda is someone that contests yeah. way more, I think, than Irrelevant does. I think Irrelevant Irrele seems more like a weak side kind of guy, playing very smart and Yeah, steady. I mean, like, there'll be drafts where they give him jacks. Yeah. Um, but I agree, like, when I think of Irrelevant this year, I think of Scion. Yeah. Um, and that's not to Scion discredit and his, yeah, his like, <laughs> carry performances. I just think the Scion has been sick. It's a harder it's... angle for Adam to snowball. But yeah. against Shigenda, yeah. it's more of an angle because Shigenda will probably contest more. Against Broken Blade... Maybe an angle as well for Adam to contest if they face up against each other. But in theory, they might not, right? Because it could be each other. Yeah, yeah, it could be interesting thing about the yeah. format. Well, let's get the schedule up. Matt, Matt's our producer. Shout out to Matt. Um, shout out to before we go. This is the schedule for the week. Ready? Check five thirty or five forty-five. Whether you're watching on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we're gonna have the winners match on Monday. That is a big deal. So it's not an elimination match. It's the promotion match. So the winners from day one and day two will go through. So it's if you win, that's a busy weekend. That's a lot of prep. So that's a, that's a lot of pressure here. But we're kicking off with uh, Mad Lions versus Astralis. Or blah, blah, Mad Lions versus Vitality. Astralis versus Fnatic after that. I think me and Cadrill are casting that one. So if you missed Cadrill. You're casting our game? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh nice. yeah. They are going to be <laughs> so... You guys have just... I don't even have to prep for this cast anymore. I'm just going to quote things from the podcast. You just need to park They're the G2. Car. They'll drop waves. They're psycho. The park the car thing. Oh, this is great. I like all of my prep done in this hour and a half podcast. It's fantastic. Um, but good luck to you. I'm, yes. This is a series that I am genuinely... I think the series this weekend that I'm the most excited for. I think that and BDSSK are the two that I'm like really, really jazzed about. No discredit to the other ones. I just think that the results feel more predictable. Yeah. Um so want to see what you guys are going to do. Uh, another big shout out to Pete from Fnatic. Um, doing a podcast without a co-host beside me is only possible because of all of this information that is available publicly about you guys and the way that you run 
your org in the form of these documentaries and voice comms, although those aren't nearly as useful. Uh, I'll be honest, although I have learned that Razzwork does talk a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) not as useful, but good prep. And that's because of the wonderful content team and Fanatic uh, led by Pete. So shout out to him. And and yeah, again, thanks guys so much for coming. Great to have the insight. Glad to hear that nobody is sick anymore and happy that you guys are, you know, turned it around. You guys have made it to top eight. It's nice being here talking about Leak. Yeah, thanks. I mean, we do it anyway, so it's nice to do it <laughs> with you. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> I never got to ask you how you are. I wanted I'm, to ask you on, uh, on, the, on the cast. You know what? I'm good. I'm yeah. excited. I get a cast Good League Legends. The format is fun. And I think um, the nice thing about this podcast out is that we rarely invite people when they're in a really rough spot. Mm-hmm. So I always leave here with this positivity that's like imbued into me from you guys and your wonderful experiences, which is going to give me the momentum I need to write a happy song about Reckless. You know, <laughs> nice. it's going to, I'm kidding. Please don't set that expectation. <laughs> I, I don't even know if that would be possible. The emo angle is just too good. I'm it sorry. Is. So if you could start, if you could just like leave the team again so I could write a song, maybe. That would be Crash and Burn, another yeah, yeah, split. Yeah, yeah, Crash and Burn, one more. <laughs> so as, as much as I love Happy You, it's just the material for the song isn't the same, you know? Yep. We're going for the emo angle, not the Beatles angle. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm good. Thanks for asking, man. <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast again, guys. Yeah, uh, this thanks. has been episode 11 of Euphoria. We'll be back next week. I think we're trying to get BDS this time around, so we'll see what they have to say. Um, not sure who we're going to grab yet, but Cade will be back as well, so look forward to that. Otherwise, this has been episode 11, and we'll see you next time.